us all, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That is Arabic once again for butterfat over honey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which means something is fully compatible or harmonious in honor of the new regulations, perhaps doing what they're supposed to. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing great. I had a waffle upstairs with my daughter this morning, and now I'm wishing I put butterfat and honey on it. Mm. Oh. Rob Zachney's also here. Rob, what do you put on your waffles? Uh, only the darkest maple syrup and a ton <laughs> of butter. <laughs> nice. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. This year's primer episode, if you'd like to go back and listen to that, is episode 178. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons, covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to get access to all of that fun stuff and support the show... Head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? Bumper week, Drew. Uh, We will have the first half of our review of Drive to Survive going up over the next couple of days over the Patreon feed. In case you didn't know, there is basically a separate secret podcast feed if you have (gasps) access to if you're a patron, um, which will populate not just with the ones that we are doing now, but also all the older ones too. So that one will be going up. Uh, in a couple of days and also over the weekend um i recorded i was kind of worried that the the race might get cancelled which we'll get into in a second well not so much worried about it but thought it might happen um so i said oh it's a good time to do some video funness so i uh i got a bunch of f1 official stickers when i was in ireland i found some in my local uh town store and uh i opened a bunch of them and revealed the shinies <laughs> sticker packs sticker packs yeah for like a book you know for like a sticker book like a I okay. see. Yeah, so we this did cards last year. Yeah, last year was cards because okay. you guys love cards. America loves cards, baseball cards, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. In Europe, you get stickers. You get like your sticker book and you get all the stickers and you'd swap stickers in the school playground. Um, so yeah, we did a car pack opening last year I did. I opened a lot of cards, way too many cards. This year I opened way too many stickers and you can watch me doing that <laughs> for about 40 minutes over on patreon.com slash Where are you going to put them? F1. The stickers? Or is that a spoiler? I know. I was uh, well at the end of the video. I kind of said if any of the uh, patrons want any of them, just like send me a message and I'll stick them in, a, in an envelope. <laughs> if he has any <laughs> like in particular, and the rest are gonna. I'll go on my jeep. I'll just Sweet. cover cover the back of them. Yeah. Some, Sweet, like an, yeah. an anime Lando. Yeah, I got a lot of Nicholas Latifis. Oh, okay. Common <laughs> rarity. Yes, he's blue. He's a blue rarity. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, shiny declares too. Nice. All right, well, uh, usually we start with just the oh, grid here. Our, oh. our t- I needed to mention our title sponsors. Apologies. Uh, oh, of course. All of our incredible title sponsors. Liz T-Dog, Bulgarian Bomb Bomb, Mickey's <laughs> 0.0. Maybe that's a face. I'm not quite sure. At NF1T underscore NFTS. <laughs> Olivia Evans. Team Blackjack. Christian Horner. Whoa. Jesus. Whoa, okay. Welcome. Well, that's, I'm not sure about our journalistic integrity anymore. Pyrites Card Castle, Erica Siegel, Iron Station Studios, Telemetrydeck.com, Gnarly Goat, David Mule, Drew Stern, Big Promble Motorsports. It's, it's not Howard Stern's, it's not Howard Stern's brother, Drew. Drew, Drew Stewart. Stewart. Did I say Drew Stern? 
<laughs> you did again. I worked with a guy called Drew Stern in England. That's why. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yes. Do you remember he worked for CBS's uh, motorsport uh, website? He still does, probably. Oh, I'm not oh. sure if CBS owns anymore. Okay. Um, Hey Drew, if you're listening, uh, Bailey Foot, Abdallah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, hashtag Buddy Crimes, Connor McManners, Sniggs, Alex Guichet, Reagan, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Humberto Roca, who I dropped off the list for the past two weeks. I'm sorry, Humberto. I'm not quite sure what happened there. William Romph and Jason Kelly. All right. Thank you, everyone. List. Keeps getting longer. It is indeed. Um, <laughs> another long list The Grid. So we're going to sort of uh, weave in the news. I get, there's not a lot of news except for one big item that we're going to yeah. kind of weave in through here. Uh, but let's just go down the grid, shall we? Uh, or let's go up the grid. Okay. Because that's the way F1's graphics have been doing it. So, oh, really? Yeah. Have you noticed? Okay. They start at 20. Um, starting 20, or not really starting at all this week, Mick Schumacher, he had a really scary crash in yeah. qualifying. Uh, you know it's scary when the camera stays zoomed out. Uh, they don't like to, you know, zoom in until they know the, the condition of the driver. Uh, but thankfully, Mick was okay, although he was taken to a hospital for precautionary checks. He, he lost it coming over a curb, hit the wall at, I think, 160 miles an hour, mm. sustained 33 Gs, uh, but was, yeah, back in the paddock, walking around, no problem the following day. First, yeah, really uh, scary moment. Yeah, yeah, first real test of those survival cells in these new cars as well. Uh, we had a couple of bad crashes in uh, F2. Um, Kev uh, Bulak, Bulak Bassi, I think his name is, um, suffered a pretty bad one, got a concussion and went to hospital. Never didn't come back for the race weekend. Um, so there was a, I was already like on tenterhooks having watched a lot of F2 with the amount of, it's just a scary track. If you crash here, it's bad. And I had some people saying it was kind of Schumacher's crash was like reminiscent of Roland Ratzenberger's, which I know is like a very dramatic thing to say, but it was that same sort of lose it over the side and you're kind of just sideways into a wall. Um, and he didn't even have the benefit of runoff. So it did look like, yeah, like bad. But I think everyone's quite happy that he was okay, but obviously too late to fill a seat as well because it was. I was kind of, I was kind of thinking, this is where you'd stick a Magnuson or a Hulkenberg, but they're already, <laughs> they're already yeah. in. Well, I think, as I understand it, it wasn't uh, necessarily a seat filling issue; it was a car rebuilding issue. Ah, um, so like, okay, like I think this morning Gunther was making statements that like Mick had a pretty clean bill of health uh, by Sunday, but the thing is, they they were, and this is going to happen probably more and more with how crunched the schedule is. They're kind of looking at it as. If we rush through a repair to get a car ready for him uh, for for Sunday, uh, then the next race, I think, is Australia. Yeah. Uh, then the next one starts to look dicey uh, from Hans' right. perspective. So it was like, just cut our losses and uh mm-hmm. and and move forward so um yeah i think i think it was it's it's much more just the logistics now of getting cars prepped you have to prep them almost every week that changes the calculations yeah um while we're here in kind of the danger zone um maybe this is the time to to kind of go with our news stories it was it was free practice two or free practice one i think when I think it was Verstappen said, I smell something in the air. And on the feed, you could see in the sky a thick black cloud of smoke 
billowing up into the air. Um, maybe you've heard this in the news, but uh, the there's a, a an oil refinery um, about 20 kilometers from the track that was hit by a missile launched by the Houthi rebels who Saudi Arabia is effectively fighting uh, in Yemen. So everyone, all the drivers, uh, are understandably pretty concerned. Danny, you were kind of following this as it unfolded. Um, what can you kind of say about uh, the way that this went down? Yeah, I guess the flashpoint for this was this driver's meeting that occurred on Friday evening. Um, and I was up sort of uh, watching it as it happened. I think local time, it stretched on until over 2 a.m. in uh, in Jeddah. Um, there was a lot of diligent British F1 journalists as well staying up, burning the midnight oil to try and see what was going on. And it seemed to hinge upon the drivers having some sort of concerns. We don't know what those concerns were. Obviously, the the story of Saudi Arabia, the race, its foreign policy, we have covered this over multiple years here on this podcast when the russia race got cancelled there was obviously a big sort of like hypocrisy flag was waved and people pointed at saudi arabia um i I, so i I'm, i'm not sure that was necessarily the case maybe this drummed up more support for that unknowable maybe this was just simply a case of we do we feel safe here you know is this a track that is it's it's a relatively new track we've already heard that it needs support from other races because some of the um you know stewards who work here are or marshals rather are, are a bit less experienced um it's a new track yada 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 so we're not quite sure what exactly the details of that were but it seemed to me that there was a or it seemed to everyone that there was a discussions between the drivers and the team principals themselves we also had uh, Stefano De Manicale and some other representatives from um, F1 coming in as well to talk to them. But a lot of it seemed to be with the team principals coming in and discussing with the drivers um, as well. Um, at the end of it, George Russell was the one who went as, to the, F, to the uh, I think it was whoever was in charge locally, FIA or F1 otherwise, um, because he is the representative he, he, for the drivers now. now that grows yeah, he's the, the president of the Grand Prix Drivers Association. Yes. Uh, so... It sounds like they were given additional information, was the quote, or new sort of information or new context, which eventually um, sort of stemmed the tide in the room. Uh, But as far as I know, we still don't know exactly what that information was. Um, Yeah, Otmar Safnauer talked to the Sky team, I think, uh, during qualifying it was. um, And he he, uh, sort of... Um, gave a little bit more information. He said that they had some uh, of the Saudi Arabian authorities there, uh, including some military commanders who I think gave some insight into the the defenses around, which is the fact that we're having this conversation is really kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think also there was kind of this situation where, okay, you, you, you know, you choose not to race, there aren't exactly a lot of flights leaving, so you're just going to, what, hang out? You know, you're going to be here anyway. Um, yeah, there was that old WWE story, right, where where it's the idea that the Saudi royal family could stop somebody leaving the country or at least make it difficult for them is has some sort of um, precedent. Uh, 
what security I think, they I think have. That I was, sorry, go on. That, I think that, that, that was also a rumor going around um, this weekend in the Formula One circles as well, but I think uh, drivers and team principals dashed that one as much as they could. I, I, I didn't yeah. hear any strict confirmation of that. That kind of feels like it comes further down the line. But you have to imagine, like, if, 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 and we should also mention that this oil storage facility or refinery, whatever it was exactly, is owned and operated by Aramco, which is the main sponsor for this race and also yeah, the a Saudi fa- oil company. Yeah, fairly, you know, preeminent sponsor within F1. You know, you're used to seeing the logo, even if you're not, your brain noticed it. Um, and, you know, I don't know a lot about missile defense, but I know that it's, fallible and i know that the chances are if you had missile defense you'd have it around your big oil thing and not a temporary f1 track so i was kind (laughs) of like i mean how much more difficult would it be and like you know rebels tend to attack state apparatus i mean if they're anything like the ira or anything you sort of target things with the means to making a making a, a big show and tell about it which they clearly did this was the conversation that basically went on throughout the weekend so then you're also calling into question like i don't know much about the conflict here um but you're yeah you're wondering like is there a chance would they do something like that you know who does it benefit I, but also but it's like sorry go on Ross. from what i from what i've seen it's one of those like situations where uh like the the houthi rebel groups uh have generally stayed away from uh like targeting like mass casualty uh like civilian attacks or like uh civilian infrastructure uh so like it's like it doesn't seem like super likely um and here you know arguably they 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 fired rockets at a refinery um you know which is you know certainly that is is pretty critical to like the power of the saudi state uh but they weren't it does not appear they were like firing it into the city itself um but yeah, I mean, anyone, yeah, do we know if anyone was harsh? Because I, I kept looking to see if anyone was harsh, and I couldn't see, like, were Don't they know. were they even down? Uh, yeah, I was just like, where are the Saudi state downplaying it, or did it literally not hurt anyone? Because it seemed like a pretty big at- explosion. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, so there's there was that going on, but also just the kind of danger of the track. Sergio Perez described it as, uh, or I from this uh, article in racefans.net, he described Jeddah as definitely the most dangerous place on the calendar. Wow. Um, Carlos Sainz also has a quote in this article. When you see an accident like mix gives us a bit of the tranquility that even at the, at those speeds, the car is protecting you because the FAA has done a great job in giving us very safe cockpits. But at the same time, is it really worth it having that huge accident when you can maybe hopefully push the walls a bit further out gives us a bit more space to slow down the car if we lose it like mick lost it today it's a discussion that we need to have because it's probably a bit on the limit it's exciting for formula one it's exciting for us but it's also on the limit it should be said that they have made a few tweaks to the um Mm. saudi arabian track uh but you know the the last race there was only a hundred and something days ago so um the race promoters said that the FIA and Formula One have requested uh, up to 15 modifications to the track. Um, but due to the limited time between its first and second races, not all those changes were made. Um, I kind of so, wonder how remediable some of these things are anyway, because like it's following a waterfront. 
like the the thing that makes the Jetta circuit really striking is that the whole thing exists on this really tight, like narrow footprint next to this this coast road and uh, next to this like seawall. Um, I kind of wonder how much like reprofiling can they reasonably do mm. uh, given like the constraints they're working with. Uh, because it's not like on the other side, like not very far on the other side of the track from you is the other half of the loop back to the start finish line at any point. So I, I am, I'm sure they have a long list of like stuff they'd love to change, but again, it sort of seems like Jetta might be conceptually compromised uh, from the start. I just don't it see how like you it was. A, yeah, yeah, like last year we talked about this, right? It just seemed like a weird place to put a track. Like F1 kept selling it as the fastest F1 track street circuit on the thing. And all I did last year was watch through my fingers. And then this year was worse because there was so many big, bad crashes in F2 and obviously Schumacher. And then on top of that, there's the farm policy aspect to it. And then on top of that, there's a literal attack that's happened here. By the Friday night, I was just like, just fucking cancel this race and never come back. Like, for goodness well, sake, go to Portimao. Like, go to well, a good track that people want to go to, not the, like, the, the backyard shitty track that was set up by your biggest sponsor. Like, it's just, it's, 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 it's the brazen, like, we all know that this is a sport that's like, you know, basically sucks at, at the teeth of of money wherever it can get it but there's just something so brazen i was watching mick schumacher crash and being like are you going to kill mick schumacher because we because you're so determined to be at this track that is not you know it's we don't need to be here like get them to build a fucking circuit it's it's saudi arabia they can't build a circuit they can wage wars all over the peninsula but they can't and they can buy military jets from America, and and do, but they can't build a circuit. Like for goodness' sake! Don't forget executing a ton of political prisoners uh, at the start of the month before F one I mean, rolled into town. The hypocrisy um, of them coming here after the Russia stuff is just ridiculous. Like it's, yeah, and we it's not like it's new. We've been talking about this since the thing got announced in twenty. No, but I mean, if you if like this is the weekend that like it just kind of does demonstrate why this whole thing is compromised and kind of cursed from end to end because like there's no there is no angle from which you can look at this Saudi Arabian GP and say like this was a good event it was a good decision to come here <laughs> and like F1 belongs at this place like the notion that like sport can be a positive force for good that's given lie to by the fact that the Saudis uh, the Saudi royal family is basically executing uh, dissidents uh, just before the foreign media arrives on mass, um, you know, during the event, you're reminded that they have waged a an incredibly aggressive war in Yemen uh, that is continuing to cause like massive uh, famine uh, in the in the region. And then on top of that, yeah, it's and, and this is the thing: Jetta Circuit is the best thing about this event. Like mm. it is. It is at least striking. It is like it looks exciting when things are going well, but the problem is when anything goes slightly wrong, it yeah. just feels like it has the complete potential for any minor mistake or or slip up on the track to, as we saw, have someone airlifted to the hospital uh, at yeah. best. Multiple, multiple drivers brought to hospital yeah. over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well. Um... No, no transition there. Let's get to the rest of the grid, I guess. Uh, um, 
Yuki Tsunoda will line up 19th. He had a fuel-related issue in qualifying, so he didn't set a time. Then his car died on the way to the grid, so neither he nor Mick Schumacher will be taking part in this Grand Prix. Uh, Nicholas Latifi also crashed in Q1, bringing out a red flag. Um, he'll start 18th. Nico Hulkenberg, once again filling in for Sebastian Vettel, who's out with COVID, uh, starts 17th. He's one of three drivers on the hard tire, everybody else on medium. Alex Albon will start 16th. And then... Lewis Hamilton in 15th place. Yeah. His worst wild. qualifying in a long time. Hamilton was last out in Q1 by pure pace, so not mechanical trouble or weather or anything. At Silverstone 2009. Yeah. That was a couple of summers ago. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he had multiple attempts. They just sounded like they were pulling the car in a little bit over the weekend, and then they did something that just pulled it a little bit in the wrong direction. They overcranked, and something happened. They just didn't have the, the downforce, and the he, he didn't feel comfortable in it, didn't have the straight line speed either. Um, but it was something particular, I think, to his car, just trying to overcompensate, because Russell obviously had a better better go of it. Right. I think they went, yeah, they went for like a bolder qualifying setup that just didn't pan out. Mm. They also didn't do themselves any favors by doing the first run on medium tires, leaving very little time to uh, adjust to the soft. Uh, but yeah, 15th for Lewis Hamilton. Um, Daniel Ricardo will start 14th. He got a three place penalty for impeding Esteban Ocon in qualifying. Mm. We got Lance Stroll in 13th. Uh, in 12th place, Zhou Guan Yu. Thank you to everyone who pointed out that uh, Zhou Guan Yu specified two Ted Kravitz in Ted's notebook, which I have verified is indeed watchable on ESPN.com. For oh, cool. anyone who has an ESPN login, yes. Uh, he verified to Ted that, yes, that is how he would like his name pronounced, so I will do my best to pronounce it Zhou Guan Yu. Um, Lando Norris lines up 11th, uh, and then Kevin Magnuson starting 10th. He is uh, also on the hard tire. Um, as is Lewis Hamilton. Then we've got uh, Pierre Gasly in ninth, Valtteri Bottas in eighth, Fernando Alonso in seventh, George Russell in the other Mercedes lining up in sixth place, Esteban Ocon in the Alpine lining up fifth. Then we've got Max Verstappen in fourth, Carlos Sainz in third, Charles Leclerc in second, and his first pole position in his long career, Sergio Perez, uh, also the first for Mexico. Wow, uh, and the longest uh, has to the, be. He, he sets yeah he sets the <laughs> the uh, the record for the longest without a pole his two hundred and fifteenth race crazy yeah it was so exciting to see it happen I was worried that Verstappen might pip him um, but yeah pretty pretty terrific what a great couple of years it's been for drivers who almost retired between Checo and I guess we got some more Kimi and obviously Magnussen at the moment it's uh it's pretty special. Yes. Speaking of special, Danny, do you want to take us through the start? I do, but I just want to have a quick little addition to the story we had at the start because Mm. this was bugging me because I forgot. I want to check how long we're supposed to be in Saudi Arabia. Apparently, it's a 15-year deal, but we're supposed to be in that Kidea track. Do you remember they're building that Mm -hmm. crate? Remember the pictures of like the underwater (laughs) stuff there? So apparently, that thing is still in the planning phase. So for the next, like, I think it was supposed to come in after three years, but they're saying now it could be five or six. So we don't know if that is going we, to be We were built. also supposed to be in Russia for a long time. That's true. We were supposed to but, go to you the know, new there's, track outside St. Petersburg. 
imagine there are certain clauses in the contracts that would allow F1 to, to break them. Yeah, but the thing is, Russia's easy because the international sanctions regime mean they literally legally could not do anything. Yeah. So that that's the thing where, like, they're, they were probably spared whatever legal, like, s- snare they put themselves in uh, with, the, with the Agora Drive deal. Uh, whereas... I suspect mm. they will not get that kind of assistance with Saudi uh, ever. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. They're kind of, yeah, it's, hard, it's harder to get out of that one than it is to get into it. Um, but anyway, we will. And sorry, just sorry. One one more thing here yeah. on Saudi Arabia. This went around uh, Twitter a little bit before the weekend. Um, they had uh, a couple women driving F1 cars, um, one of them from Saudi Arabia. While cool, um, this is clearly an attempt at, you know... Sports washing. Uh, it, yes, it's, it's probably the clearest <laughs> example of that, uh, of a PR move. Um, because last I checked, uh, there were still women in prison in Saudi Arabia who campaigned for the right for women to drive cars, mm. which they are legally allowed to do now. So the fact that they're still in jail... Makes no sense. Oh, sure it does. If just the idea of descent has to be destroyed, no matter well whether mm. or not the you know the royal family decides that your cause was like perfectly valid, yeah, like protest, yep. absolutely not. Yep. All right, yeah. the start, Danny. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like we, we, it's it's weird. To, uh, it'd be interesting for people who come into the podcast at this stage because it, if it sounds like we're making a fuss about that, we've talked about this exact issue for like two years in this podcast. And we've, we've, we've even had great emails from Saudi Arabian listeners mm-hmm. who were like at the races and talked about how great it is for them, even though there's all this stuff going on. And we've talked about the American side, like, you know, like maybe, maybe people who were in, in jail for drugs clear. crimes should be let go in America for the same yeah. reason. But obviously yeah. it's, you know, it's those two things are not exactly the same but yeah and it just goes to show that like these the politics and sport are inextricable especially i don't don't think we especially (laughs) like the international circus that is formula one i don't we just can't ignore that anymore i don't think you can that that argument just doesn't hold water totally yeah it's impossible to anyway welcome to f1 everyone uh uh, the rest of the races should hopefully not be so um fraught although at least it got us talking about this one Uh, okay we're on to, so first of all, we're down to 19 drivers because Mick Schumacher isn't driving, but then whoopsie-doo, on the way around for the formation lap, Yuki Tsunoda uh, pulls off to the side. He has no drive. So we are starting this race with 18 drivers. Um, and it's a good start at the front for Checo Perez. He keeps his lead. Um, he has a good start. I would say that Claire doesn't have as good a start as Signs. And has to sort of defend a little bit, uh, pulls himself slightly out wide so we can cut the apex a bit easier. Um, and the kind of uh, is it causes a problem for Signs in a way because Signs actually has a great start, but it sort of almost puts him in a bit of a cul-de-sac because of um, of where he ends up on the track. Verstappen takes advantage of that and manages to get an overtake um, done on I think it was turn three. Uh, we also had a terrific overtake uh, by Magnuson on Gasly in that same little uh, area. They mm-hmm. were driving side by side um, throughout that. Um, uh, but we did not have uh, a crash, an incident, which we... It was a first lap crash last year, I believe, wasn't it? We had that real messy one with Mazepin and Latifi and the usual suspects. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, they all got away. Checo was in the lead, and Max is now in third. Yes. Um, then we go down to lap five here. The first of m- many uh, multi-lap back and forth <sighs> battles with two teammates. Uh, starts with the a pretty rowdy late defense. boys. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit uh, of NASCAR has come to F1. <laughs> Almost half an hour brought days of thunder energy uh, to the pink team. He really did. Uh, it, this sort of starts with a late defensive move by Ocon uh, that Oof. thankfully did not turn into a crash. It was okay, close. Very close. It was close. Yeah, but I, look, it looked egregious from one angle. What the hell was Fernando doing going up that? Like, there was not even room for a car. <laughs> there was no room. Like, no, yeah, yes, Ocon made a late defensive move Move that probably shut a door that, like, Fernando shouldn't even have been contemplating. door was only half open anyway. Yeah, it was, I yeah. look at, like, at first I was like, whoa, here we go again. Like, this is exactly what got, like, o- Ocon, like, kind of blackballed last time, th- this kind of stuff. <laughs> but then I see the in-car, and, like... Fernando is just like this is the definition of sending it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. it's 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 like a late corner lunge, apex lunge without the apex. He's doing it like way earlier. Yeah, there is a wall right there. Great fighting though. Um, yeah, it goes on for a while. Um, I thought they, they had their they, interview with Omar booked during yes. the fight. It was wild. And it was so, so they're wild. just asking, are like, you going to let this go? And the crazy thing is, he was like, no, we're going to let him race. You know, eventually we got to, <laughs> you know, if they're jeopardizing pace. Uh, but so no, they're allowed like, race, right? For the stars. He said they'd let them race for the stars. But then after a while, they just asked him to stop or something. Look, it was like, it was like get, get the energy out of the kids. You know what I mean? Just go run around the garden for a while, okay? Before <laughs> he <bed>. believes <laughs> in steel sharpening steel. And uh, is that going to work out? I don't know. Was it awesome? Yes. It was. I saw some headline that said uh, the Alpine drivers are allowed to race uh, until 20 laps from the end. Cool. So maybe- that, that's, that's good. If, if they make it that far. Clear precedent. <laughs> right. Uh, lap 15, the strategy starts. Leclerc, uh, oh currently running in second place, gets the radio message box to overtake. So uh, that means pit now, and we will come out ahead of Sergio Perez when he pits. But <laughs> Sergio Perez is the one to get to the pits first. He pits. So Leclerc stays out. Yeah. Uh, often a, a good strategy if you're behind is to do the opposite to your rival since you know that doing the same thing will, will result in you just being behind again. Um, and this pays off for Leclerc in more ways than one because as soon as Perez rejoins the race in fifth place, enter Nicholas Latifi. The kingmaker. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he just has a habit of doing this now. Uh, same type of crash he had apparently he just kind of lost the rear and couldn't really explain it um, there was a there was a meme going around a couple of years ago of Matteo Bonato sort of like saying like uh, like calling up drivers to crash so it would be good for Ferrari and this was like uh-huh. this was expertly done uh, couldn't have gone better for them the psych out fake out He's- sort of do the opposite of him strategy but yeah what his a, radio message minute. was even weird too where he's like oh gee guys <laughs> i don't know what happened and i was like like 
for one, my immediate thought was, okay, call him the helicopter. I think he's badly concussed. Like, I don't right. know how Nicholas is doing in that car. But two is like, I have I have heard drivers more like I I've heard drivers more uh, torn up by like just losing it, and this was just the most like, oh gee, gosh, I, guys, I don't know. I, I wonder if he is if his embarrassment levels are overriding his every other emotion at this stage because it's not been it's you know he's so clearly off the pace from the rest of the field now at least he had Mazabin for company last year and like now it's just ugly and he hasn't gotten to grips with these cars at all and his teammate obviously is someone who's pretty good in a in a not great car so but yeah they all pitted everyone pitted pretty much um well yeah yeah, because this brought out the safety car right not Hamilton not Hamilton oh my god why didn't he come in because he was on hard tires. Let's hang that so gun the on hard, the wall. So they weren't sure. Hard tire uh, cars did not come into pit. Um, pitting under safety car, I think as we've explained before, uh, gives you an advantage because everybody else is running slower on track. So in the pits, you lose less time to everyone else who's not. Um, but yeah, Leclerc, now in first place, gets a massive advantage, stays in first, and then at the end of it... Um, uh, well, before that, Signs comes in. Oh yeah, uh, and comes out of the pit and nearly gets squeezed into the wall by Perez in a bid to stay ahead of him. Um, but and this is something I rarely think about. There is a white line crossing the track just at pit exit, yeah. uh, which is one of two safety car lines. Signs reached this line first, meaning by the rules, Perez. Um, had to give the place back. Mm. It was close, though. Interest- it was close. Interestingly, I heard this from one of the commentators, uh, race control is no longer the one to instruct teams to do things like give a place back. They just expect the teams to enforce it themselves. And if they don't, they just hand them a penalty. It's wild. I think it's a good way to operate. No. That's right. The dark specter. It's like the morality and fallout you're not you know you kind of just you want to do good because you're not quite sure when you're when karma is going to come down on you (laughs) it's actually really smart though right like i actually think it's really Mm -hmm. really really clever because like you put it on the team sporting directors because they all have one Mm. and you're just like what do you think you did (laughs) and like none of this like lobbying back and forth none of like arguing rules interpretations over the radio uh just dead silence Maybe like the stewards are examining it, but just dead silence. And so it's just like, what level of risk are you willing to run? That said, I was surprised how long it took to unwind this. Yeah, um, that is that's the thing where I was like, I I felt like we were under safety car long enough, and like this is well, it feels like it should be one of those rules where a camera just tells you complete like exactly how you should how you should adjudicate this, but instead they go back to green before a position swap has been made. Uh, But sometimes I wonder, even those cases where photographic evidence would be decisive, is there still room for interpretation? I'm thinking of like later in the race when Verstappen's pointing out the, uh, the, the pit line, uh, the pit entry line. 
Yeah, and I wonder if that'll rue its ugly head, show its ugly head. But then the other aspect of this as well, which you're very right on, is that if race control had turned up and said, give the place back now, then they could do it. But they couldn't do it under safety car otherwise, because if you can't overtake or under safety car, there's no scenario in which you're allowed to overtake under safety car, even if you're giving a position back. So mm, good point. you're totally really? right. It's, yeah, it's the safest place to do it, but only if the race control actually directs you to do it. They're not allowed. So they weren't allowed to give the place back while they're under safety car because they would have over they would have forced it would have created an overtake situation um so the ferrari maybe didn't mm. want to take it or whatever so that's why I, i'd be when, willing to bet that they'd be like okay that makes sense and, and not penalize signs I, for that I, but, I, who if, knows? but if it's the invisible hand right it's yeah. gonna, <laughs> when did the uh, just interestingly because they clearly were keeping an eye on stuff as well we did also have uh Zhou Guan Yu getting penalized um I'm not sure if it was later in the race. He had a bit of an incident which forced him to get a stop go or a, or a five second penalty on his next pit. But they missed, they messed it up. The Jack guy or somebody yeah. went early. So they had to do it again. So they were clearly adjudicating that, well. That was frustrating because that was just a, like the team botching. Botched us, yeah. Like literally, literally, your job is do nothing. Like all you <laughs> have to do is just leave that car alone for five seconds. It'll be fine. And instead they're like, Something's off with the jack, and then in the process, like you're working on the car, you are, you've lost track of the penalty. <laughs> oh wow! Inter- this is from race fans. Interestingly, uh, this so the stewards say blah, 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 Article fifty four point four e gives the stewards the discretion to disqualify a car for failure to comply. However, given that no work was done while the car was jacked up, we considered that disqualification would be too harsh an outcome. We therefore imposed a drive-through penalty. So yeah, you're not supposed to, when, when you've got a penalty, you got it, when you pit, no one can touch the car, not even the jack man, but apparently that was the lapse there. Mm. So not only did they have the- The car's uh, hot lava. That's right. Um, I think was, they So he was given a five second penalty. When he hit Alex Albon early in the race, I think it was lap one, uh, which he attempted to serve on the pit stop, but then they messed it up, so he had to do the drive-through also. They got to bring out penalty boxes like they have in uh, sports car racing, where you drive to the end <laughs> of the pit line, and a little like hall monitor comes out with a stopwatch, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he just makes you sit there. Like yeah. we already, like we already make them suffer the indignity of just being like corralled by the way station. I think we should just like make it as hilarious as possible, where like you've done all your pit stuff, and now it's like you have to go down a little penalty area and just sit there. While a very unconcerned Marshall uh, just stands there and counts <laughs> off seconds. Mwah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, in effect, Perez drops from first to fourth with all of that. Yeah. Uh, lap 20 restart. Danny, do you have anything here? Yeah. Uh, Russell, a great overtake past Magnuson into, uh, into turn one. Terrific up did, the inside. Did he? Or did, did Magnuson jump him and then Russell took it back? As I think he started ahead of him oh really oh i didn't I see i didn't so. see any replay of it so because they were obviously watching in front of the pack um and then the only other thing that i have is perez obviously giving the place back which he mm-hmm. did in that i think just after turn three right in that little section there a which arguably section, he could have yeah. done later in the lap maybe and done the whole verstappen you know here's your there you go um mm-hmm. was that I'll a was it. that a, that was yeah. a safety car though so they wouldn't have had drs for a couple of laps that's true and yeah, that's che- true. and is too good a sportsman for that. Yeah, yeah. No, none, none, none of those Bush League tactics uh, no. for 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 Checo. Uh, by the way, I, I will say, like 
it does seem like it, it sounds like Magnuson's physical conditioning is not up to speed yet. Like he is, yeah, his neck. He's, he's yeah, like the neck <laughs> thing was, and and Button called it, who I really enjoyed on the on the telecast uh, mm-hmm. this weekend. But he was like, yeah, just being out of F one one year, um, you lose so much physical conditioning that like the abuse you take driving these things is is grueling. That aside, though. Madison looks good, and the hops don't look bad, yeah. and like no. it yeah. is, you know, Gunther's plan. You know, that's that's all I can think <laughs> is it's all coming together. The pieces were in place, and like he brought his son back, and like yeah, he's got a, he's got a little achy neck, but beyond that, he's he's bringing it. Like that that car's up there. It was interesting seeing the physical nature come into this one. Uh, we'll talk, I'm sure, about Pierre Gasly having a very painful last five or ten laps, apparently. Been there. Crazy s- stomach cramps, um, <laughs> which might have been something to do with uh, with, uh, with water or something. But also mm. the cars. This is the part of the race where suddenly the reliability stuff we talked might have happened in the first race definitely happened in this race. Oh, so weird. Um Right before that, though, Magnussen and Hamilton uh, the, in the other Mercedes also had a pretty good battle from about lap 22 to 25, with Hamilton eventually gaining sixth place over Magnussen. Um, you know, just just to think, Haas and Mercedes duking it out says Amazing. a lot about the state of both teams. Joaquin, you had a great little battle with Hamilton as well. Um, somebody sent me a... It was the Japanese commentators during the race. Um, oh, great. Uh, and also when he got... I think he got in the points maybe at the end. Spoilers, and he was also um, the 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 Chinese uh, commentators then were were elated. Obviously, it was pretty cool. So, um, yeah. Do you mean it, Chinese? It's Chinese. I think I said Japanese first time. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. bad. Um, yeah. So it was. Uh, yeah. It reminded me of you know. I love when we get that. It's like when we get the you know um, driver from a unre- underrepresented uh, country, be it Ireland, Northern Ireland, or Poland, or you know, we've had lots of these drivers. Um, over the years, Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, but you're right, Danny. Lap 35 is when things get a little weird. Uh, yeah. First, Fernando Alonso starts going slow on track with a car problem. Then we cut to Ricardo rolling to a stop near the pit entrance. And then cut to Botas, who is retiring in the pit lane. It's like someone flipped a switch. It's wild. Yeah. He was coming in for his third pit which seemed weird and then the next shot is them putting the car up on the up on the jack and rolling it into the garage so um yeah i'm not sure what fallout has come from this i couldn't read I anything about surmised that it might be an overheating issue heating issue yeah which makes a lot of sense um reliability is you know when cars just turn off like that it usually means there's something something wasn't set up to last the entire race um but yeah, by that, it's great. Now we have a field of, what is it, 15? Well, and, and where they were going out, so like Alonzo limping around the track, which again, again, like more demonstration of why this track is so sketch. Uh, yeah. This car is crawling around trying to stay off the racing line, but there are so many blind corners, and you don't think about it because they pass in the blink of an eye uh, at racing speed. But man, once you have a wounded car, uh, like hobbling back to the pit lane here, it's just like, I sure hope everyone is keenly aware of where that car is sort of wallowing uh, on the track because, like, all I could think was, as you watch cars whipping around those little blind bends, yeah, uh, that, like, you know, you're you're in for uh, what Brundle calls like an aeroplane crash uh, when, yeah. when they make contact. Uh, but then they make it, and this is where things get real dicey, 
both Ricardo and Alonzo sort of claw by their fingernails uh, <laughs> back to the pit entrance. But they don't yeah. quite get into the pit. No. And it created a, a spectacularly ambiguous situation that, like, a couple drivers pretty smartly, daringly, just exercised the fact that, like, the marshals hadn't closed the pits. The, the yeah. race control had not closed the pits. And they just whipped around, swerved around the the, the stranded cars and got in there for a pit stop. And then they were going to – and then they closed the pits. Yeah. But – Hamilton was also approaching the pits before they closed the pit the, the pits. And uh what can I say? Like Ferrari cannot like not Ferrari, but Mercedes cannot seem to make these pit calls with enough alacrity to like salvage these sort of like really touch and go uh safety car situations. Yeah, it's it was one of those scenarios where almost everyone, at least watching the broadcast, where you could see there's a safety, you know, when you see where the cars ended up, you're like, well, the chances are there's going to be some sort of safety car situation here. And also the chances are they're going to have to close the pit lane. And so you could see the drivers that came. Obviously, it's easy from the television point of view. But yeah, like, I wonder if this is an, an issue of Mercedes sort of always being having to be a little bit conservative with their thinking. We talked about this at the end of last season where they were always sort of like, you know, almost like the professor, right? Like just like always getting the points, always making sure that they were the one making the decisions that everyone else had to react to. And that perhaps that means they're not as good as being sort of the, you know, the smart underdog who tries to do something to jimmy themselves up the grid. So racefans.net has a radio transcript um, that differs from, well, it expands on what we saw on TV because they showed a replay of Hamilton getting the radio call, box, box, ah, too late, because he's already like right alongside the pit entry. Uh, In this transcript, it shows that um, Peter Bonington, his race engineer, called him into box before that. Okay. He says, uh, box, box, keep an eye on the pit lane. Hamilton doesn't respond until he reaches those two cars that are stricken by the oh, entrance. He missed the call. And he said, cars are slowed down. Then they, Bono calls him again, box, box. Ah, too late. So, um, so he missed a call or it didn't get he, through? or He either missed. So this is what uh, Toto Wolf, team principal of Mercedes, uh, says. Um, Alonso slowed down during a lap. Ricardo broke down in the entry and we told Hamilton to come in. But there was a double yellow a car that's slowing down one stationary. So it was just overall a confusing situation and Hamilton drove by slowing down because of the confusion. And that made us come out behind Magnuson Uh, because Magnuson and Hulkenberg did pit. Interestingly, they did cross the white line, the pit line that's supposed to um, uh, denote where the pit entry lane is. You're ordinarily not allowed to cross that, but since there were two cars stuck there. Uh, the regulations say, in cases of force majeure, right, as accepted by such, as accepted as such by the stewards, you are allowed to do that. So perhaps also Hamilton could have been not wanting to do that because he was afraid he was going to get a penalty. I mean, which he has gotten knows? before. My thought, Monza last year, like looking at it was, I was actually thought, I was thinking this, the the people who were diving in uh, around the the stranded cars for the pits. I was like. They might get a penalty because I could easily see it being a situation where, like, look, even though we haven't technically closed the pits, you can't just 
like whip around two parked cars and like nurse it through the pit entrance. Uh, I could have easily seen it go that other way of like, hey, you need to exercise like judgment about like what is what is safe. Uh, and clearly that was a car recovery zone now. Uh, so, yeah, I, like I, it, it did feel like I, under, I can understand the hesitation. Um, but, yeah, they they let it ride. Uh, they closed the pits after all that shook out. And those pit stops were those pit stops were golden. Uh, yeah. And, you know should have should have been hamilton um but yeah that that missed call unfortunately or or that that hesitation uh either way uh pretty much throws away what was otherwise a pretty decent recovery drive uh i i'd have to say like you know wasn't wasn't going to go down in history as like one of his best but like staunched a lot of the bleeding uh after going out in q1 uh, yeah one and thing showed to- that car that the car is not totally without merit right it can it's in the hands of hamilton it can still pass people uh, one one sorry one technique one thing to say say safety wise about the track as well because we talked about obviously the attack we talked about the nature of the race track being very fast one of the issues here as well is unlike monaco where they have all these support sort of like frontage roads almost to help get the cranes around and lift these cars off the track they don't have that here so it's one of the weirdest scenarios where we have drivers on the track we'd we'd uh, folks on the track pushing the cars back while there were still um, cars driving it because this is a VSC as well. This wasn't a full safety car, right? So they were just like kind of pelting it around the course. Um, there was a scenario on Friday, I believe it was in F2, where there was a crash and they had a crane on the track while they were driving around. They'd had multiple Jesus. red flags, but they actually kept a crane on Are the track. It might have been this? Saturday's sprint race. I know it's like it's like it, it, we have a whole generation of people who watched the Jules Bianchi incident happen in 2015 and then suddenly you're just like oh we're okay doing this again. Okay. That's why we have a virtual safety car. It's why we have the halo. It's it, yeah. like all of this stuff is because of that exact scenario. So it's it's very it's worrying how the rules here seem to be different for some reason and I'm just glad we got out of the weekend without something really terrible happening. All right, well, for the restart on lap 42, the field looks like this. Leclerc in first, followed by Verstappen, Sainz, Perez, Russell in fifth, Ocon, Norris, Gasly, Stroll, Magnussen in tenth. Do you want to take us through this one, Danny? Yes, the start, the restart. Um, Well, I guess it's not much of a restart because they're all virtual safety cards. There was a lot of questions over where the pace sort of all happened again in terms of where, where the split times were. There was some double-waved yellows as well. Um, Verstappen wasn't very happy. He thought that Leclerc had jimmied up some uh, some time there. Um, so are we talking about lap 42 and all that? Because that's the next notes oh, I yeah. have is the battle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's so, do it. Yeah, this is uh, we had an email about this. I'm not sure if we get the emails this week. Uh, we usually don't do them after a race, but we'll we'll definitely get it next week if we don't. Um, where somebody said they need to refer to this move as the Charles. It's the <laughs> and it's and it's basically also what happened between Hamilton and Verstappen last year, which was the whole when they crashed, uh, not wanting to give each other the other mm-hmm. the safety car line. That's true. Um, so it's very it's a really good A B test for the different types of cars and how the new regulations have really increased uh, the the types of racing we can do and also have stopped the scenario where Max kind of 
this do or die attitude Max had last year, he kind of doesn't need to have this year because it's the, the overtaking moments aren't singular anymore. They've become this more dynamic scenario and the cars can follow each other. Uh, but essentially into that sort of last um, hairpin, I guess it is at the end of the, the track uh, before they hit the start finish straight, uh, Verstappen gets past Leclerc just prior to that and, um, Leclerc crossing the safety the the DRS um, line at, you know within a second but behind Verstappen which meant that he gets the DRS down straight so it's kind of like a pawn sacrifice scenario or something where he basically sort of like lets almost Verstappen pass so he can get the DRS and then ultimately on the straight gets the position back by uh, using DRS and then the next couple of laps are essentially fly right by it's amazing it's like and the next couple of laps are basically the sort of the live strategy of how both of those drivers react to what happened in the previous lap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that first instance of that happening was really striking because, you know, Verstappen gets DRS from the, um, you know, the zone before, pulls up alongside Leclerc and ahead of him. Leclerc then breaks to let him by, which is just such a strange thing to see. Um, but he does that because you're right. The DRS detection line is coming up, and Leclerc wants to be behind Verstappen so that he can get DRS and slingshot back around. And they both like they both lock up, like Verstappen especially so. Um, and uh, you know you would assume gets a lot of vibration on his flat spotted tires, but the the battle continues lap after lap. And on lap 46, Verstappen does the same thing except without the lockup so that he comes out onto the straight much closer to Leclerc, mm. and this time gets around him. And has DRS, yeah. And that, that, that one before, on what was it, 43, you mentioned where the lockup, where they basically both decide to let the other person yeah. have DRS. And then, Verstapp- and then sorry, then um, Leclerc goes, oh, actually, I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he just tried, and that was the funniest thing. And then Verstappen was way too far that time to even get close to him. It was, uh, yeah. it was awesome. And it went all the way down to the last lap. So... It did. I, I will say, like, I, I was kind of left curious. Like, Verstappen was convinced that by coming out of that last corner and taking a racing line that went over the uh, safety, the um, the pit entry line, that Leclerc was violating the rules. And I didn't hear anything that contradicted that interpretation of the rules. They just didn't call anything, mm. which, you know, obviously. I, I didn't understand that. Pardon? I didn't understand that. Can you, do you know why? So, yeah, I mean, the, I, the, maybe, maybe Verstappen is just wrong about the rules, but his interpretation was that, and I know some variation of this true. I just wonder if it's like half the car or whether it's all, all four wheels or whatever. Or, but, or this circuit might be different because of how this, the pit lane entry yeah. sort of bleeds onto the track. But the pit, the pit, the pit entry line is sort of a critical line for like, signaling what are you committing to are you staying out racing or are you going into the pits you are not allowed to drive across the pit entry line uh and obviously like the rules there to prevent people from like sort of doing a fake pit stop or using that as a racing surface and then like juking out of the pit entry and back into the racing line verstappen was seeing uh leclerc do this lap after lap which which he was to be clear like it wasn't like there's no ambiguity here uh, Leclerc's exit line from the corner was reliably taking him over the the pit line, the, the pit line, uh, and Verstappen wanted the officials to like call him on that because it was illegal. This is the thing: 
was it illegal? Uh, or do you have to like, is it a thing where if like, you know, the two front wheels cross or something, then you're in, in trouble. But if you're just coming doing a natural line and you get one wheel over, it's, it's fine. I don't know. But mm. like, it's all, Max yeah, seems it's always seemed like a, yeah. It's always seemed like a malleable one because just think in your head the amount of times we've seen drivers go into the pits and then be told to go stay out and then have like driven over grass to get out off yeah. of that. You know what I mean? We've had drivers spin there where they've sort of accidentally crossed. So it's not, it's always been a sort of a wishy-washy one. And I do wonder about Jeddah because the way the pit lane it's a bit like Interlagos, you know, where you're yeah. taking a sort of like if you were to do like as the crow flies from the like the fir- the last turn to the first turn, like you'd cross it. So you, you kind of swoop around it. So I wonder if uh, if it's a similar thing where Interlagos is at least a little bit hidden on the left side, but like the Jetta one isn't as pushed in. So it's easier to cross it. So, I mean, maybe they, they ultimately didn't do anything. Sorry, go on. Like you could maybe you could pass it from one side to the other, but not the other way around. Like you could pass it to go to go back onto the track, but you can't pass it to come into the pits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's clearly not F1, that defined. It's shift to one podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. F1.cool slash emails. I was like, Max, you don't need to do that this year. You don't need to worry about all the like nuts and bolts of the regulations. Just It seems like this year we can just solve it on track with racing. And thankfully, they Amen. both had a terrific battle all the way down to the... The, the greats flag. have that uh, encyclopedic knowledge of the rules. <laughs> Well, Max Special sometimes battle. seems to make up. That's the the thing with Max is that he sometimes generates rules to complain about <laughs> rather than. Oh, we didn't the... get into the how is he so close? That's so unfair. Uh, where where uh, the last yeah, race I... incident where it was at Albon. I forget what was what happened. Albon's car goes I... out in sector one. I want to say. Um, and he ends up like pulling off to the side in a runoff. Area. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right so at the end. during the last with with Max nursing his lead, yeah. they go into sector one. Now this is critical because sector one is where Ferrari owned that Red Bull. Yeah, and no straight line. Again, there's not a lot, lot of ambiguity. Like you have to slow down through a flagged sector, but Leclerc <laughs> still made up ground coming out of sector one. And Max Miele on the radio being like, you know, how is he so close? That's that's unfair. Um, I'm just I'm increasingly just like accepting that like a bit like Lewis getting snippy with his engineers over the radio. Max powers his energy toward the end by just like venting nonstop about various assorted grievances grievances he's identified that he will have forgotten about by the time he's in <laughs> in the uh, pit lane. Um, but that that seems to be his mo. But like it, it was a fair point. Like I, I looked at that, that car pulled off to the side and I was like, that's probably the race, right? But they only flagged the one sector. Yeah, that any normal rule that they do at any other track, you have to do one step down for Jetta is what I've learned, or maybe two. <laughs> They're a bit more laissez-faire here. Yeah, you're right. That is uh, Albon and Stroll. They tangled uh, over 11th place. Oh, yeah. Um, Albon actually earned a three-place grid penalty for that yeah. move for the it next was, race. It was, it was too aggressive. It was a, re- yeah, it was a real Lewis Hamilton on Albon. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so with three laps to go, Leclerc sticks with Verstappen so that he gets DRS, the DRS zone right at the final lap. But unfortunately for him, it is not quite enough. And Verstappen wins by a little over half a second. Awesome. Uh, one of the closest margins, I think, in the last three years or so. 
Um, there is another drag race between Okan and Norris for sixth place, but Okan manages to stay ahead there. <laughs> Okan remembering the incredulity of losing third place to Botas in the exact oh, same right. situation. That's right. And he lost it by a fraction of a second, and he was like, not, not again, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, Max Verstappen wins the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Second place, Charles Leclerc, who also had the fastest lap, so he'll get 19 points nice. instead of 18. Uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. comes home uh, in third place, rounding out the podium. Then we've got Sergio Perez in fourth. Ouch. George Russell in fifth. Esteban Ocon in sixth. Lando Norris in seventh. Pierre Gasly in eighth. Kevin Magnussen in ninth. Ooh. And Lewis Hamilton in tenth. He said over the radio... Uh, is there even a point for that position? <laughs> this is his worst start to the season in 13 years. There you go. And even that is on a technicality because uh, that, that that the other one 13 years ago, he was disqualified uh, for something. He had finished, I think, in third place. So mm, for all intents and purposes, this is his worst. The saving grace is that there's a bit of a fight at the top, which means we won't probably have a runaway winner on this one for a little while so division of points yeah there was what's the year is it what was the year we went to abu dhabi and there was five possible people who could have won in that last race 2012 2013 2012 it was one of those wasn't it yeah i was not watching kind of feels like one of those ones where it's like oh this could it's the second race danny there's a lot of i know yeah i shouldn't say that you're right (laughs) yeah but 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 but. Perez, Verstappen, Leclerc, yeah, signs Perez. all competitive. It's not even sorted out within the teams fully. This was Checo's race. If it wasn't for yeah. the pit strategy, you know, does he, does he hold his, on? His engine holds together one more one more lap. Last week, he yeah. has a comfortable lead on Max. Oh, it's, you're it's right. all, all. Wow, you're right. God, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, he's the dark horse. We're all watching Leclerc and Verstappen. And signs and... and and uh, and Checo are right there. And then beep beep, don't count out K Mag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and hey, Russell got some points this week too. You know, he did. He did. Like he is doing exactly, I think, what Mercedes needs him to be, which is like reliable and stable. Um, because the, the, I guess the other thing we should mention and just remember for a second is that a lot of the people getting points this week is down to some retirements. That. You know, Bottas had a great race. He had a great qualifying. He had a great race. He was on for something good there. The McLarens were better than last year, uh, last week. Ricardo obviously didn't finish, so there's still reliability issues there. But they had pace, and both of them were in the points for a large amount of that. Um, as a, you know, and last week was a complete disaster. So, you know, it's even hard to shake out where all they are. You know what I mean? That mid group, you can kind of see where the weak links are, maybe, but like. Who's who? Who's going to be the dominant force over the course of whatever twenty-two races or however we have this year? Um, it's still hard to see. I think next week after next will be interesting if it hopefully goes ahead because COVID is kind of kicking off again in Australia. Because at least that'll be a, a track that we sort of again we know and love, and it'll be a daytime track, so the heat issue. You know, I'm not quite sure what the ta- track temps were like on the ground in both these uh middle eastern races but uh we'll uh we'll have to it'll be a different story in in melbourne yeah going someplace cool like australia (laughs) uh let's finish off the 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 result here uh joe guan yu comes home in 11th followed by nico hulkenberg lance stroll and alex albon uh who was also listed as a dnf 
not classified were Valtteri Bottas, Fernando Alonso, Daniel Ricciardo, Nicholas Latifi, Yuki Tsunoda, and Mick Schumacher. That is some high attrition. That's like watching a race in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, driver standings, though, let's get to them. Charles Leclerc still in first place. Uh, the first Monegasque driver, I think, to lead the championship. Uh, he's got 45 points, 12 ahead of Carlos Sainz Jr. with 33. Uh, he's eight points ahead of Max Verstappen, who's finally on the board in third place with 25 points. Uh, three ahead of George Russell in fourth. Uh, then we get his teammate Lewis Hamilton in fifth place, who loses... Uh, two spots in the championship standings. Uh, Esteban Ocon gains one to finish or to be in sixth place with 14 points. Kevin Magnussen uh, is in seventh, tied with Sergio Perez, uh, who's also on the board this week. They both have 12 points. Valtteri Botas, uh, with his DNF, loses three spots in the championship, is now in ninth with eight, eight points. Um, then we've got Lando Norris in 10th. He's on the board this week with six points. Yuki Tsunoda, uh, in 11th, tied with Pierre Gasly with four points. Fernando Alonso uh, has two in 13th points. Zhou Yu in 14th place has one point. And then we've got a five-way tie between Lance Stroll, Alex Albon, Nico Hulkenberg, Daniel Ricciardo, Mick Schumacher, Nicholas Latifi, and I guess Sebastian Vettel with zero points. <laughs> oh my God, Jeff, Seb hasn't raced this season, right? That's right. Well, yeah, and also... He should be back for Australia. It was also funny because Magnuson was doing an interview over the weekend. He was like, yeah, I've never driven here before. I don't know what it's like. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I totally forgot. Yeah, he's like a rookie there. Man. Man. What a weird season. This is awesome. This is great. I can't believe I'm so gutted that I'm not going to have a race this weekend. I know. (laughs) Uh, In the constructor standings, we've got Ferrari on top with 78 points to Mercedes's 38. Red Bull third place with 37 uh, Alpine's in fourth place with 16. Gene Haas and team. El Plan. El Plan is working. <laughs> Gene Haas has uh, 12 points for his team. Sixth place is Alfa Romeo with nine. Alfa Tauri has eight. McLaren in eighth place has six points. And then tied for ninth and tenth, uh, Aston Martin and Williams with mm. zero. Zero mm. for Aston Martin. That's I know, surprising. yeah. It's rough. They're, 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 the, they're the ones having maybe the worst of that mid-pack season over season it looks like yeah speaking of the rankings and the ties they're in we have a four-way tie in our fantasy league which you can join using the link in the show notes uh for saudi arabia from canada sauber cream and onion oh yeah okay sure uh from the usa making a massia things (laughs) uh from australia is this australia let me hover over this flag. It doesn't tell me. Um, I'm going to call out Australia. Please, please don't be New Zealand. Uh, team one from Aaron. And uh, from Finland, Toto's durable headphones. Are they? I thought he broke that pair. Uh, well, yeah. well, you should get a sponsorship. You really should. Like um, but overall standings in our fantasy league. Uh, we've got a two-way tie for second place. From America, red means fast. And uh, also in second place, from Canada, Guan Yu feel the love tonight. (laughs) Guan Yu feel the love tonight. Certainly can. 
It's beautiful. But in first place overall, <laughs> we have from the UK, Leclerkin925. Oh, that's another. I'm not going to sing that one as well, but that's really good. Leclerkin925. Then it lurks. What a day to do some racing. I've wet it. That's there you go. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh. Corpus, Corpus Christi had a good week. Feeling yeah. good about it. Yeah, I'm up good. to I'm up to sixty two thousand in the one point three two million global league. So <laughs> slowly but surely. <laughs> uh you can again join the fantasy league using the link in the show notes. Uh you can also hit us up via email at shiftf one podcast at gmail.com or f one cool slash emails. Um, you can also say hi on Twitter at Shift F1 Podcast. Uh, I am at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. Uh, that's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, Danny? Let's race around the world. <laughs> yeah. He's stretching those pipes this week. I know, right? I had a sore throat all weekend. I'm just like get, <laughs> cutting back into it. It's part of my, uh, or, you know, recuperation. Yeah. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at the Richmond Raceway in uh, Richmond, Virginia for the Toyota Care 250. Uh, MotoGP is in Argentina at the International Autodromo Termos de Rio Hondo Ooh. for the Gran Premio de la República Argentina. Ooh. And we've got the Motocross Grand Prix of Portugal in the Cosdromo Internacional wow. de Agueda. Costromo. And we got NASCAR. Where are we going, Drew? Are we a Richmond? Whoa. Oh, yeah. Virginia. You <laughs> Love those Xfinity boys. Just like to be around them. Uh, we racing the Toyota Owners 400. Toyota Owners only. That's right. You own a, a Volkswagen Passat. Stay at home. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's your there's your racing for the weekend. We do not have Formula One. We've got a break before yeah. next next weekend's uh, Australian Grand Prix. If you have F1 TV though, we had a lot of Formula One and Formula Three over the past two weeks, and if you missed out on those, go check them out or check Formula out the two. highlights on YouTube. It was uh, some some good good clean racing uh, over there. A lot of cars. If you want to watch F1 but have twice as many cars on the grid, F3 always <laughs> looks like a sort of a track mania situation to me. <laughs> it's like there's just a little bit too too many cars again going into that first turn. But they used yes. to make it out. They used to make it out. Yes. Final thoughts, Danny? Oh, what a fun season. Just like, yeah. this is just the best. Uh, I am excited to um, get, get into some of the tracks we have missed over the past couple of years. I'm a little bit worried about the situation with covid down under but hopefully um we'll uh we'll get there there's a couple of tracks i think we really missed over the past couple of years melbourne uh, circus gilles villeneuve in canada um so it's going to feel extra special when we get back there so looking forward to that indeed final thoughts rob enjoying the new regs uh the fact that you have guys staying within striking distance for three four five six laps in a row uh is a pretty incredible incredible thing to see in f1 at this point yes yes i also am feeling pretty good about that hopefully things keep up in that direction uh if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official shift f1 discord you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift f1 have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next week meow <laughs>